We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala and we seek blessings upon the Prophet and many more and many more kathira and kathira. So picking up where we left off uh, yesterday, we were beginning to speak about our third uh, topic, first topic being Allah, second topic being the Prophet, peace be upon him. Now we're speaking about the Ummah. And historically, this is where I lose a lot of students. Uh, think of the points that I made yesterday that uh, the Ummah is, or what your perception of the Ummah is your perception of the Ummah as opposed to being the Ummah. Your perception of the ummah is more of a reflection of yourself than the whole objective reality of the ummah. So if you see the ummah as a bunch of humble, modest people, mashallah, that's a reflection of yourself because we have the opposite in the community too. If you see the community as a bunch of lazy people who don't show up and do anything and they're corrupt, that is more of a statement about you. Uh, and your perception, because we also have all kinds of wonderful, modest people. And so the suggestion I gave is to look at the ummah as yourself, not as your brothers and sisters, literally as yourself, which then means what? That your abandonment of the ummah is a type of violence against yourself. It's an abandonment of part of your own self. And your support and care for the ummah is a type of self-care. Of course, we will have those examples of people within the ummah that are doing very mean things to particular people. And even that is hard to find as a full reflection of the entire ummah. Having said that, let us jump into the ayah that I introduced yesterday. And once again, let me see if I can share this properly without causing global destruction. Hold on. Well, I almost ended the call. That's not what I want. Share. Once again, nod, thumbs up or something. Let me know you can see. Good, excellent. Mashallah, mashallah, mashallah. Okay. So, and in the same way, we made you ummah wasat. Ummatan wasatan. So you are, we are a moderate slash just community. And you can even read this in the sense of the Gaussian curve that moderate doesn't necessarily mean in the midpoint as much as it can mean the pinnacle, okay? This idea of wasat, when you get into the etymology. And what purpose do we have? Litakunu, so that you are shuhada ala nas, so you are witnesses against mankind. Let me tell you a completely marginally relevant story that will go into a completely irrelevant tangent. So one time I had to write an article uh, on the whole idea of being witnesses against mankind. But the author kept calling it witnesses unto the mankind. So I said, how about witnesses against mankind? And she kept saying, witness unto the mankind. I said, how about witnesses against the mankind? No, witnesses unto the mankind. So I just entertained myself. I'm going to be smiling for the rest of the class. And it means nothing to all you. Any case, so that you will be witnesses over against mankind. And the messenger, peace be upon him, is a witness. A witness understood against us. So one point to take from the end of this first half, the rest of this is about the Qibla, is 
that the prophet peace be upon him delivered his message to us and now we have the responsibility of being the messengers of the messenger and so how much we as a collective body fulfill that will either mean that the prophet is a witness peace be upon him for us or against us so what does it mean to be witnesses over mankind how do you all understand that anybody don't everyone chime in at once if i am a witness against you what does that mean or if you are a witness against me what does that mean this is just my list of all the people in the class can you explain if, uh, why you're insisting that it's against and not any of these other translations? Of... We, can, we can go with a different translation, pick a different translation, over, uh, on. Um, there is the one third down, it says, um, uh, may be a witness, that you may be a witness before others, that you might be a witness to all mankind. Okay. What does that mean? What does the witness uh, part mean? Something that you can definitely um, not claim because you heard it or, you know, it's not secondhand experience. That's what I understand. That's just a plain idea of a witness to be. Like I think about a courtroom, for example, where you are not a witness if you have not witnessed sure. the crime or, or event. You're only a witness if you were there, if you were present. So there's a uh, element of some um, uh, holistic version of presence that you can claim to uh, either for or with um, other other people. Okay. Can you say that in simple language? Um, I, I have to collect my thought because okay. I was just so fixated on like the uh, unto <laughs> the against. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, think I was, said, I was like, okay, that. if I take it against, then this conversation can go in many different directions sure. that we don't want to do. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, uh, in my understanding, the witness means that uh, if you you are among a group of uh, people or community, and uh, and and uh, what's uh, what's your uh, um, uh, character or behavior reflects on them. And that would be a witness to them. Okay. okay, so this is a person. This is behaving in that manner. He has that sort of beliefs. He has that sort of actions. He has that sort of uh, character. All right. You're all being super abstract. Um, Dania. Um, I feel like I take it to mean two different things. One yeah. being like overlooking or um, like being a steward over. Okay. almost and then the second thing i'm taking it to mean is like there's an accountability there too like i'm accountable as well as okay. being the witness okay so i'm accountable as a witness but as a witness you're saying overlooking yeah yes sir okay sure stephanie adnan asim zishan okay um maybe uh i, I agree with what uh dania just said i think she was just before me. Um, um, 
But very simply, if you're a witness, you're either a witness for someone or against someone. Yeah. Because you're witnessing the truth of something. So, yeah. so it's got to go one way or another. Okay. So explain the witnessing point, though, more. In what capacity or what are we witnessing? You're witnessing the truth. And, and by way of truth, I mean you're witnessing God okay. and the messenger. Okay. Peace be upon him. And uh, just like you see an accident or you see a crime, you, uh, like the example of court, you give your testimony of what you have experienced and what you've seen. Okay. Adon. Uh, yeah, just going like uh, sort of along that point with like being in court, I guess that's how I thought of it. So you, you have like the, sa the same sort of conviction uh, amongst people in like uh, in God and his messenger saying like I almost as if you've seen it yourself uh, so when we're saying witnesses of the truth we're basically saying witnesses of the Shahada testifying yeah. to the truth of the Shahada yes yeah. thus testifying to the truth of Islam yeah okay Asim yeah that's a similar sort of direction where I was going to go because like the Shahada is literally bearing witness, right? And so what essentially this is almost, it feels like almost a call to Dawah, right? Mm -hmm. A call to Dawah, it's kind of an interesting thing, but- uh, A call to a call. Not a call to a call, right? Shahati uh, yeah. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but I, I think the idea is then that uh, we made you a moderate, community so that you should be witnesses against people so this is a call to the community not to individuals okay which is i think how i was understanding it originally but i think the idea here is like be witnesses to islam and go spread it go go witness it and and give testimony of islam to people okay uh nether so uh i'm a bit uh like confused that okay if i am among a group of people yeah. so so they are witnessing me or am i witnessing them mm -hmm. right oh snap so this, this is a, a wonderful question that if i am being a witness okay, i'm the one who's burying witness and they should be able to see it okay in my theoretical moderation my theoretical justiceness because prophet is not among us right now right so and and the mess and the messenger a witness to you mm -hmm. so how that relationship will work how the uh, so so in that case we are witnessing you see i'm getting confused now so when when would the prophets witnessing unto us against us for us take place that's a judgment day the day of judgment i have delivered my message to you okay. yeah. uh zishan you had raised your hand a long time ago but then you unraised yeah i think everyone covered it and i okay. think you you have got to the i i had started with the day of judgment point but i've retracted but now you're already there so okay like, yeah. nadir and then isa 
Yeah, um, I'm just realizing that maybe I focused too much into just the phrase that uh, like being witnesses over each other, but I'm wondering if witnessing needs to be in like this technical sense that we're talking about it in. Um, like, can it, can it, we look at it and maybe just the more basic sense of um, like seeing each other, like being present with each other, um, being in each other's company of sorts? Uh, possibly. Um, and uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, I won't uh, reject it as a read as a reading, but I'd say let's try it and run with it as a thesis. Mm. Isa. When it says that the prophet is a witness to us, could it also be like in that Barzak state? Mm. Like when people are in like the grave, like they can still like benefit from us and stuff, right? Like if we like just do off for them. Maybe. So like don't they kind of witness that too, even though they're not like alive? Uh, could be as well. I'd say just like with now this point, uh, let's run with it as a thesis, inshallah. I mean, a thesis that we will not be able to uh, address through the course of this course, but as you go through your own study. Stephanie. Maybe uh, maybe I'm confused by this term witness and bearing witness and, and shahada and all, um, because it seems very abstract to me. Um, in this ayah, is the meaning also so that you should be examples over the people and the messenger is an example to you? So that or is the common reading, yes. Okay. Exactly. Okay. So, so I'm but, doing this, go ahead, sorry, yeah. go ahead. No, but, but then there's another meaning of witness uh, that we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. Farah. Um, actually, I was uh, um, this is from another place that I take this idea, so it's not my own, anyways. But I like um, how, like, Faro is you know, gives the whole preface to her comment, you know, <laughs> it's not my own thought, and we have to look at who the author is. And, and here's the point, okay, go ahead. Yeah, Marshall. Um, so, um, the we were discussing the idea of uh, Shahid, Shahid, Shahada, um, and so. What caught my attention was the fact that it says that so there is a we have an example of what it means to be a witness or bear witness to our community, mm -hmm. and that is represented in the example of the prophet. And the, so, in um, the uh, explanation of the word shahid or shahid is also this idea that we commonly understand that to be of martyrdom or mar mm -hmm. but not taking it obviously literally here but martyrdom in the sense that what the prophet does in his life is is essentially uh, present himself as a pure messenger without adding or deleting anything that he receives as pure revelation mm -hmm. and so his own self is nothing but that which is defined through his messengership. So in being a shahid in that case is that one does remove themselves of their biases, of their you know, capricious attitudes or anything that seems to corrupt that um, tabula rasa as, or of our soul, uh, such that we become pure 
reflectors or or witnesses mm-hmm. to the truth that exists. So, mm-hmm. um, so in that case, a witness to our community is that in in an so without blaming or pointing fingers on others, the idea is that I, as a witness, am someone who is reflecting my pure created state as best as I can. And that means that I am witnessing the truth uh, for, for others. And so this becomes an obligation on me as opposed to pointing fingers at, at others. Right, right. Yeah. That's one yeah. way to um, subvert any sort of uh, possible ways in which people can take this as uh, pointing fingers. Mm-hmm. Very nice, Mashallah. Sarah. Um, so I just want to chime in now because I really liked Farah's, not her point, point, but I think she said it really eloquently because um, I was having a big, like really hard time, especially because you're just changing up some of the words. You keep saying bear witness against, bear witness on, bear witness. Yeah, it's, it's that trauma from writing that article, you know. Oh my gosh. 30, 30 so years ago. There's just too many, um, like you can't just switch up prepositions, you know, because against implies a negative. It implies like snitch. That's how I'm, I'm imagining it. It implies like, okay, you are telling on other people, but I don't love that because it's okay. like, it goes against basically what you're talking about in the beginning of how you reflect, how how you view yourself as a reflection of how you view the ummah, so you shouldn't be judgmental, etc. Okay. So in Farah's case, where she's bringing up um, how you, how the onus or the burden is on you to live at your your best, so mm-hmm. inherently you bear, you are bearing witness to the truth. Therefore, inherently, you would show the the mm, I don't want to say like the inadequacy or the not adhering to the truth that maybe other people maybe are doing around we're, we're, you. We're all being so polite. No, no, I'm I'm trying to be straight far. up. Like okay, you yeah. are doing your best, and yeah. inherently, someone next to you that isn't trying to do their best okay. will therefore look like they're not doing their best. So okay. it's not like you're you are you yourself are saying that person not doing their best. You know. Um, yeah. And like you're bearing witness against, you know, you're not calling anyone out. You're living your best self. Okay. So uh, the question to all of you, especially Sarah and Nather, based on your recent points and Farah as well. And I might as well just say to all of you. Okay. So is there a space for us to call people out? Let's make it two questions. Is there a space for us to call a community out? You can determine how large the community is. And then is there a space for us to call out individuals? Ahant. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam, my brother in al-Islam. Yes. Um, in terms of the community, that I think there there is, if the like, criticism is, or comments for that matter, is general and somewhat directed uh you know towards good in terms of individuals i think that can get like tricky i think uh one of the prerequisites to like you know nasiha is you know trust and closeness mm-hmm. um you know the, the, you know the, you know the, i think you s- setting me like correctly is is different than some joshmo on the street even Yusuf some use of shmo, yeah, okay, yeah. Use of shmo, yeah. He's even inherited my jokes, Astaghfirullah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, so you're saying that depends on the nature of the relationship. Um, right. I mean, the 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 individual calling out individuals is more a case by case. You know, whether it's a yes or a no. Mm-hmm. I think you know, calling out a community or a large number of people is less stringent in that manner. Okay, what do you mean less stringent? You lost me at that point. There is, um, I guess another way to put it is like, is you don't have to be as sensitive mm-hmm. as if you were, you know, call out uh, another individual okay. specifically, I guess. Okay. Hold on. So um, adding to the, uh, to the previous point, Ahan's point is that, okay, so, uh, before you engage with community or individual, means uh, it depends on how much you are known to them, right? And so before, before you are going to propose something or set up a pro- proposition, there should be some sort of a relationship between you with the community at some point as a, as a, or, or some individuals that you think. So, so we have a relationship aspect first too, right? Because uh, uh, all of us are then you, can be like as a stranger and then start addressing the people is not, is be ambiguous too. Um, okay. So my point is the relationship is a factor too. Okay, yeah. So so we're saying it, a lot of this is is dependent upon the nature of the relationship. Farah. Um, definitely like you can call out the community or any, but at the same time, like there are ways of calling someone out by reinforcing a positive trait. Mm-hmm. Um, they're calling things out by um, uh, keeping it generalized. I think as some uh, aunt probably was sharing. Um, I think we do that all the time anyways. And the fact that maybe in this structure of doing a Quran class or a Quran study, uh, in the way that we're doing here is also trying to reinforce a way of reading the Quran that could be beneficial or takes away people from just sort of like tired and imitative practices in which people do approach the Quran. So I think, yeah, I think every act is an act of, uh, te- uh, sh- uh, you know, a sh- shahidi act, if you want to call it that, in the sense, if, yeah, if you do connect that every one of your act is trying to reinforce something that you really believe in, and someone might see you and believe it, someone might hear you and believe it. Um, but uh, yeah. Okay. Very good. Uh, Ahan, is your hand newly raised or is it from before? It's old. Yeah. Okay, okay, good. Okay, let's go now to the beginning of the ayah. What does it mean to be an Ummah Wasat? Common translations, an ummah moderate, an ummah just. What else do these guys say? Uh, ummah of the middle way. What does that mean about our ummah? Does it mean that when I look at the map of the world and I look at that stretch of Islamdom from North Africa, former Spain, all the way, I don't know if I'm going the right way on your screens, but, and then through, and including Sub-Saharan Africa, and then through the Middle East, into Central Asia, into Pakistan, and then a little bit of India, and then stretching into Malaysia, Indonesia, that's sort of like the middle of the world. It's kind of cool how it is, right? Is that what that means? What does it mean? Asim, 
I mean, I think what it means is like an example, like that we, we should be the example for the rest of the world. And this is maybe, and, and I may be leaning too hard on my interpretation of bearing witness. Um, but I think part of it is that if you are bearing witness and, and doing dawah and that kind of stuff, you have to be able to demonstrate that the community is uh, upright or moderate or whatever it is you want, whatever it is, we're, whatever translation we're using. Okay. So a question to think about, uh, not just for Austin, but for everyone, and I'll get to you in a second, Khoram. Uh, where are we moderate? Is it the point that the, that Tawseef is making uh, in terms of these two other traditions? Where are we just? Okay, Khoram. So my interpretation of uh, moderate is that is not like the middle, uh, rather than it's like a more a standout, like yeah. uh, it's a standout and unique, so yeah. that that uh, your your uh, your conduct or your character will be easily reflected uh, uh, to to the community you are in, and uh, and that will be and that will that relates to the uh, witness point actually, right? That witness um, uh, that so that it if. Uh, uh, that you are doing something which is whole bunch of people are not doing mm-hmm. and they and 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 that will they catch their attention right uh, your conduct, conduct or behavior so that's my interpretation okay uh Isa. doesn't the quran and other parts say to not like exceed limits i think in like the earlier stories like it says something about not exceeding limits so maybe mm-hmm. That's what moderate is to not exceed certain limits. And I think an example of that would be like a few weeks ago, we talked about how like some of the Sahaba wanted to like fast all the time. Mm-hmm. Like how the Prophet okay. fast all the time. And they were like, oh, we're going to fast like every single day. And he was like, no, you can't do that. It's like, because mm-hmm. it'd be impossible for you. So I feel like maybe it's like not trying to exceed certain like limits. Okay. Um... So this is akin to how this is commonly looked at, and your point is akin to Khurram's point that that it's in it's illustrated in conduct. Dania. Um, I'm kind of taking moderate to clarify what being a witness means. Okay. Um, so like I don't know if I love the word moderate here, but like in my head, it's kind of like being a just witness like a fair witness so what does that mean Uh, so what does that mean in action so to speak um like i don't want to use the word like a a judge but like when you when you're bearing witness like i was saying earlier i feel like there's an accountability there and that accountability is to be just Mm. in your like outlook on what's going on so that, and then um, I forgot who in the class previously set a point and it really resonated with me as well. It's like using the Prophet as that example as well. The fact that um, he's mentioned in the ayah itself mm-hmm. is I think very powerful. So 
the way you're describing it seems to be very close to the very common reading. I'm cautious about calling it majority reading, but a common 20th century reading is that it is the responsibility of the Ummah to be essentially an upright Ummah in terms of character. And if you think of character at the individual level is justice at the collective level. So an upright person is a person of upright character. An upright society is a society of justice. So, and that justice coming from the dean then becomes us as witnesses for or against the rest of the world. That's the common reading. And thus the prophet, peace be upon him, giving us that and embodying it becomes that for us. So. So yeah, so just not in the sense of judge, but just in the sense of recognizable uh, in terms of being upright. Can you just clarify what you meant by for um, against the world a little bit for me? And then I'm just curious to um, hear about different interpretations of how this or how this ayah could be read in other ways. Yeah, so in terms of, of for and against on the day of judgment that we can say to Allah, we presented your path. And thus either people embrace it or they did not. So that's a very common reading, especially in the Khilafah movements of the 20th century, okay. arguing that we do not have this in place. Okay. Now, how else is this read? This is also read that here it says, that we made you Okay, uh, so we're not going to say that Allah made us crooked, right? So they would read that as we made you with the purpose of being these people. Okay. But it could also be literally simply be read uh, as uh, essentially the people who are carrying the message of the prophet, peace be upon him. Okay. Regardless of the level of, 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 of practice, so, for example, even when we look among uh, at the stories of the Sahaba, may Allah be pleased with them, out of manners, we only speak positively of them. But we have narrations of Sahabas whose names have been removed, doing horrendous sins, and then going to the Prophet, peace be upon him, right? You know, uh, I had, I committed zina, and then I buried the baby, or I committed, you know, I did such and such horrible thing, X, Y, Z. Right, and so we have that among the Sahaba taking place. So somehow, the collective body is still giving some delivery of Islam. And this is also another reading that it's literally the people who are like in the center of the earth. So when I said that kind of humorously, it's an actual thing. Stephanie. Okay, um, bear with me because I. I'm working through this as the conversation is happening. That's the point. I'm getting a sense of moderate ummah as being inclusive, as inclusive as can be with the parameters of Islam. And uh, along with that, that the threshold is low to be in the community um, so that the most, the greatest number of people can be in the Ummah, uh, meaning if it were super strict and really harsh, then, you know, you can't be in it, you can't be in it. 
And if you're so loosey goosey, everybody's in it, then there's no point even of calling it anything. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm getting this uh, understanding of the ayah that uh, Allah's making it easy for mm -hmm. us to have the Ummah and mm -hmm. to be part of it. Um, now do your part and show up and, you know, be an example. And so this would be, this would be very akin to a comment that Dosif posted some moments ago that in our paradigm, Christianity is one type of access, Judaism is another type of access, right? And, and so this is sort of this happy medium in between. So imagine um, extreme example to talk about moderation, but murder is committed. What's the prescription in Matthew? Forgiveness. What's the prescription in Deuteronomy? Execution, right? And so you put those together and you have what we have as a prescription, which is forgiveness is better, but the family, the victim family has the authority in a conviction for an execution, right? That theologically it's in the middle and thus being in the middle, it becomes easier to be part of, right? The Shahada is two short sentences or one short combined sentence. This goes further. <clears throat> uh, suppose you have a person committing a thousand sins. Are they still a Muslim? Yeah. That by evaluating things according to law, then it gets very hard for someone to be truly excommunicated unless their actions vocally are violating theology. Like if I say, yeah, there's two gods. Yeah. And thus, in theory, it should become very easy to be part of the Ummah. We're not talking about the conduct in terms of ostracism and social and all that stuff, but in theory, yeah. I mean, this is a point that's been debated among theologians, uh, but you, know, you can sum it up in, in, in this pair. Suppose you have someone who's committed a thousand murders. Okay. Uh, is that person still a Muslim? Technically, yes. Suppose someone is good and upright, but they say God does not exist. That person is technically not a Muslim, right? But the point of the first part of the example is the space becomes wide open for everyone to be part of this thing that we call Islam, which then means all the obligations we have to the Ummah. What happens to them on the day of judgment doesn't mean a guarantee of paradise, but in this world, it means obligations. Somebody else had their hand raised. Uh, Olfat, did you have your hand raised? Yeah, okay. Khurram. So, so this point of being a, a moderate Ummah or upright Ummah, it's, it's, it tends to tilt uh, toward uh, mercy actually as well. Because in between, like in, in, in previous examples from uh, Deuteronomy and Matthew, we have a middle prescription that uh, it's, uh, it's best is forgiveness or based on the victim's family. They can ask for blood money or they can ask for, so there's a, there's a dimension towards mercy as well, which uh, we can add as a part of uh, upright sure. and moderate. Isa, mm -hmm. uh, to your question, uh, technically, yes. Uh, that, uh, I mean, here when we're saying they're not real Muslims, it's more of the political language, but for speaking from straight theology, if someone commits a huge sin, it does not negate their Islam. That is the majority theological opinion. There have been schools in the past which would go so far as to say, like the ISIS version, the Khawarij version, is 
a sin knocks you out of Islam. Okay. And then you have other schools that'll say a big sin knocks you out of Islam. But the majority opinion is sins do not knock you out of Islam. Shirk can knock you out of Islam. Okay. But sins do not. I mean, again, not referring to someone as not a real Muslim, that's a, it's a political uh, statement, you know, as opposed to an actual theological stance. Shalom. So um, what about the case in which somebody says, like, you know, they're Muslim in name, not practicing, and then they say, you know, I don't want to be part of that ummah, like that's, that ummah doesn't represent me. Are they still part of the ummah? So I would say they're still part of the Ummah because that statement is not a statement that, that negates the creed, that negates the Akhidah. But then I would refer them back to, you know, the point I made at the beginning that, you know, a person's displeasure with the Ummah might be speaking more about themselves. So, I mean, it doesn't negate their circumstances. I mean, anyone who's gone on Hajj, you say, Alhamdulillah, that Malcolm X met the people he did, you know, on his hudj, because his whole experience could be completely different, you know. Uh, and so there is still something to be said about the people that a, a person comes across. An issue I have every single year with the MSA is that lone wolf who's a master of saying all the most perfectly inappropriate things at the perfectly inappropriate time. And the perfectly inappropriate time is that one person who comes in very tentative, very hesitant, finally walks into the musalla and wants to connect and then someone and then they hear some hate right and and so the point is there is something to be said in terms of people and facing god in terms of their experiences with those random people you know but the point is that that would not what you shared i don't think that negates someone's islam as opposed to saying yeah i mean i think the prophet is all well and good but i'm team jesus you know or there's another prophet after the prophet that would negate. I don't know of any uh, central article of faith that requires uh, a formal embracing of the ummah, as opposed to when you make the, the statements of faith, you automatically become part of the ummah. Did you say, discuss, we are also to be leaders among the peoples, which comes with its own responsibilities. Okay, so <clears throat> this is, so where I want to take the conversation now is, uh, this is actually related to Fara's point in terms of self-analysis. Uh, we're speaking about what the Ummah is or supposed to be. But then the self-analysis comes into what is my contribution to fulfilling that? Okay. And so one place I lose a lot of students is basically when I'm saying the Ummah is what you perceive it to be as opposed to an objective reality. But the other is the very hard question of is my participation in the ummah, in, for example, this role, however we interpret it, um, something that I'm actually doing, something that is objectively speaking a hobby, or, you know, something I'm not really doing. That's the more difficult question. And I'll put it like this. So, so my approach, which could be completely wrong and says a lot about me, in terms of community work, for whatever miscellaneous things I do, and I'm not, you know, tuning my own horn here or anything like that, is I have no expectations of people of the Ummah rising up or coming forward. 
Like I work in that approach. Like I'm not expecting anybody to come forward and assist on whatever project. And I don't really have the, um, what's the word? The type of charismatic approach that will rally people to actually action. I can get you into a Quran class. Don't know if I can do much more than that. Okay. Nevertheless, and so approaching Ramadan on campus, my assumption was going to be, yeah, I got to do the whole thing here. I mean, we're not talking about community people here. We're talking about undergrads for whom three M's in the J is all that they care about. Med school, marriage, Zabihamit, and jins. Like that's the entire Islam for pretty much most of the undergrads here. Okay. Uh, so two weeks before Ramadan, you can still see the dates that I had to pick up right above my shoulder, the dates and all that, right? 2,000 dates. Now we're down to about 750. So, but then what happened? Your animosity towards undergrads continues to amuse me. Yeah. But then in those two weeks leading up to Ramadan, into the first week of Ramadan, they literally, all the zombies came to life and people started coming forward in full force to participate. And what I expected was maybe we'll have a couple, you know, group iftars, but I'll have dates for every day. In the matter of about a week and a half, every single iftar has been sponsored. So students came forward. I want to take this day. I want to do that. Alumni came forward. Families came forward. Now it's at the point where people still are trying to send me money and I don't have space for it. Like I'm going to have to either use it for some other iftar or send it, uh, you know, save it for next year. And, you know, I can't say anything but mashallah, mashallah, mashallah. And so there is some life in the community where we come back to life in Ramadan. And so thus, yeah, witnesses over against the undergrads. It's been astonishing in a very, very good way. But nevertheless, with the community by and large, my approach is still, if there's a cause for justice, if there's a cause for community work, my assumption is that people will not come forward. What do you think? Realistic? Pessimistic? What do you all think? Uh, awesome. So... Uh... I do a different type of community work in a different community, right? Sure. Um, but I think it's, I think it's realistic. But you also always approach it with optimism. Okay. You're so, saying this is what I do do, or this is what a person should do? Uh, it's in my experience, it's what you do. Okay, maybe I'm more optimistic than I'm giving myself credit for. But yeah, go ahead. And also, I think. Well, I mean, I think like. Okay, so for example, uh, I threw a fundraiser a few weeks ago for a um, congressional candidate. Yeah, nice. Me, me and a bunch of other people. I didn't do it by myself. And I invited everyone, right? And without optimism, I wouldn't have invited them. Okay. And maybe 10 people showed up or something. Sure. Right? And so realistically, yeah, I, sh I you know, that the number of people that's going to show up is going to be small, mm -hmm. but, but I optimistically invited something like 30 people sure. um, or whatever to, to this event. And um, I, I think also the, that 
the results you get from the people who do turn up are often like often exceed any expectations you could have had. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that is probably the key point that, uh, you know, five people who are dedicated will do a lot more work than a hundred people who are, you know, just kind of around. Yeah. Very nice. Daniel and then Farah. So first of all, I think you're selling yourself short. Um, and I think you have an incredible way of encouraging people without making them feel pressured to do things. So yeah, see, I don't think that approach works. I think I guess they're pressuring people. But and by the way, this is not me like, you know, this, I'm using myself as a as a I, test I know, case for our I, discussion, not like telling me about myself, you know. But I, yeah. I, I felt okay, like I appreciate I it. Thank you though. I needed to give that perspective, but also in this kind of situation, I always think back to the Prophet hadith of tie the camel first and then twakkel. So, you know, do your part, um, do what's on you, um, whatever that means for each person. I think that's a little um, beyond the scope of this discussion, but, um, and then I, th- I think hope is important mm-hmm. or like that having faith is important. Yeah, this is very important. Farah. Um, I didn't know that this could turn out into a counseling session for our... Yeah, exactly. This, this is the whole point <laughs> that I do class. It's basically just so I can test... But, uh, we've had that. this conversation before, but I... So I don't know if I'm... Do you all, I'm do you all know who Farah is? So Farah is my intern. So, yeah. so Farah has also like, you know, inside information, all these things. She's she sat next to these dates that are above my shoulder. Go ahead. <laughs> Saw them uh, being carried in. Um, so... Uh, I don't know whether to be impressed by the fact that Muslims can show up for food um, or the fact that like, you know, if it's an Eid dinner, a social dinner, like everybody's dressed up, they're showing up like, you know, you're like, I I don't know whether that should make me feel emotional about like the power of the Ummah. But because when it comes to the halakas, whether it's any one other than celebrity ones, Nobody is consistent. Um, Then when it comes to the tougher questions about who we are, why are we doing things? uh, You know, I I don't know if people are willing to ask and engage consistently and openly and bravely in asking themselves tough questions about what their faith, their communities. Um, And so I I see a big gap there. And um, yeah, I'm not trying to be cynical about it, but I'm also not trying to feel like people coming over, you know, feeding themselves is a, you know, remarkable feat of a Muslim, of someone who calls themselves a Muslim. Like, is Islam or Ramadan about, you know, we make it so much about food, but it's actually the exact opposite. So, um, yeah. Very good. Maybe I'm the optimist and Farah is the, uh, the pessimist. Okay. Pragmatic. <laughs> Pragmatic, mashallah. Awesome. Um, and I think another point to consider about food is that, like, for for me personally, at least, but also I think for a lot of people I know, um, sharing food is like, it's like the center of any sort of exchanges that we have, mm-hmm. right? And so, like, I I personally believe that, like, a dining room and a kitchen are, like, the heart of any home. And and that's where the majority of high-quality family time is spent, right? Like, I don't 
really think people hang out in their living room with their family all that much. I'm, at least not in a way where they're connecting with each other. And maybe that's just my experience and I'm, I'm pushing that. But, um, but I think also the, the idea that, you know, people will show up for food. Yeah, you're, I, I agree with Farah that it's not um, something to be commended. But I also think that that can be an organizing principle, right? If people will show up for food, then get them to come, come through for food and then use that as an opportunity to organize in whatever, whatever that may mean. So uh, you're also providing an insight on our food rules. So again, I said, you know, Zubi Hamid. Um, so the things that are prohibited, we often speak of them from the perspective either of the prohibition or from the health factor. But what often people don't, don't address is the limitations on food will affect with whom you eat. Right, related to your point, exactly awesome. So if pork is prohibited, if certain other things are prohibited, that is going to affect with whom you eat. In our society at this moment, maybe not as much because everything is often available. It's often a discussion, what are you allergic to and all that stuff. But in general, it will affect with whom you eat, which means it will affect with whom you are casual. So, well, okay. So all of this is a segue into the next ayah, which we'll look at and then discuss inshallah tomorrow. This is from the middle of Ali Imran. There has to be a group, be a community. On from among you, there should be a party. So earlier, Allah is speaking to the believers. Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu. And then a whole set of ayahs. But the one we're looking at first is let their people, let there be a group among you who calls to the good, calls to what is right, and calls to the good, uh, call, and then uh, enjoins what is right, forbids what is wrong. So here Allah is speaking to the believers, saying there should be a group among the believers who is doing all of these things. So the point to consider is, I still don't quite understand the ayah we were looking at, in terms of how does it apply to the entire ummah, except as a body of Muslims. Uh, but it is fair to critique the fact that so many of the Muslim-majority countries tend to be near the bottom of the list in terms of corruption assessments. However, I don't know where we are in terms of the condition of the family unit. I don't even know where to find that data. And what I mean by this is that I've been in every single type of home, you know, of not just Muslims, but, you know, every other religious community. And I'll say in my own experience, 100% anecdotal, for all the dysfunction we have in terms of suburban American Islam, and I'm including the city of Chicago, uh, we're still doing better than every other community. Not even a question. I mean, the, and I've, and again, you know, I see the darkness. Uh, and we're still doing better than everybody else. And so are there other means beyond these uh, corruption indexes to evaluate the quality of a community? Like, for example, I think Bhutan, you know, has their happiness index and such. That I suspect even with the chaos in, in our Muslim majority societies, there's something in there that might actually still be pretty wonderful. 
in any case, uh, community versus individual societies. So, uh, Olfat, are we more, are our Muslim majority societies more community oriented? Yeah, there's a huge difference I noticed when I moved here, mm -hmm. Egypt. And so, like in Canada, nobody cares? Yes, everyone's on their own, versus mm -hmm. in Egypt, it's when there's something, it's you, you know, people will show up. Mm. Although that's starting to change, sadly, but it's there's there's a stark difference. Okay, alhamdulillah. Alrighty, so inshallah tomorrow we will get into this next ayah. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Subhanakallahumma, glory to you, O Allah. Wa bihamdika, praise and gratitude are to you. We bear witness there is no God but you. We seek your forgiveness. And we turn to you. All right. May Allah tell reward you all. Inshallah. And we are entering the final phase of Ramadan. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah.